everyone. Welcome to Custom Build Homes podcast. We are joined today by Hester McQueen. Hester, how's it going? Uh, good, thank you. Good stuff. And Reese Denby. I said that right, Denby. Yep, yep, well done. Yep, <laughs> thank you. Uh, from Facet Homes. Reese, tell us a little bit about what you do at Facet Homes. Um, well, we are, uh, we kind of describe ourselves as a home manufacturer, which is a bit of a, not a very common term, but kind of just like you buy a, a car from someone like BMW, who is a car manufacturer, you'd come to us and, and essentially buy a home because we do everything from start to finish. So we are a team of sort of architects, product designers, engineers, contract managers, all sort of within one team who can do everything from the architectural design through planning. And then we go on and deliver a, a completed home for our customers. Um, so yeah, we're kind of a one-stop shop for creating your own bespoke home. Perfect. And you're based in central London. How was lockdown in London? And tell me honestly, did you rattle your motorbike through the empty streets? It was like a zombie movie, yeah, to be honest. Um, I, I, I cycled around. I left the motorbike at home and cycled around uh, the, the sort of the main streets down through Oxford Street and Regent Street and was the only person in the middle of the city at one point. Um, it was bizarre, very bizarre for a few weeks and sort of going for a run and not seeing anyone anywhere was, was strange. But it's, it's very different now, you know, a few months on now, there's a lot more people around. But yeah, for a, for a month or so, it was like living in some sort of film. And there'll be, there'll be whole, you know, people live their entire lives in London that have never seen that. And you guys have just got like, oh, it's just an, an empty, massive city. So yeah, it was, it was strange. So the centre of town, you know, around the sort of Oxford Circus and those places, is still super, super quiet because, you know, things have only really just opened up and all the offices are kind of shut. So it's still a bit spooky, but it's starting to feel a bit more like there's, there's human life here now, which is good. Yeah, and we've, we've been working from home since sort of the start of March and we can't get into our offices for quite a while. Hester is absolutely loving it because she doesn't actually need to speak to us too often. <laughs> um, but how was, how was home working for you? Did you? Were you home working? Yeah, we, the whole team were. So we, um, I mean, we're, we're sort of more aligned with a tech company than with a, a construction company as a, as a, as a studio. You know, we, we use a lot of technology for the way we design and, and build our houses. So for us, it was quite a simple step to, to work remotely. We, we manage our sites remotely from the studio, although we have obviously a team on site doing some work. You know, it's driven by the guys in the studio using digital remote tools. So for us, it was not a big leap. Um, we miss the collaboration, you know, the impromptu meetings, the design reviews, those sort of things. They're a bit more challenging over uh, video calls and things. But, you know, even with me talking to customers, uh, existing customers and potential new customers at points, it's been fine over, over video call. It's, it's been pretty seamless. So we found it quite easy. Again. And I, I think a lot of people enjoyed not having the commute in the morning, not getting on the tube. Um, so we've got still got about half our team are, are working at home. And the ones that can walk or cycle into the studio are, are now sort of in a, a socially distanced studio environment. Yeah, good stuff. Right, Hester, should we crack on? Um, yeah. And um, so, Reese, can you tell us a bit about Facet Homes? Um, yeah, I mean, where do I start? I mean, it's it was it was born out of a sort of frustration with traditional um, construction. You know, designers designing amazing homes in in three dimensions in computer models, and then handing it over to a builder who would then turn it into a very analog process of tape measures, hacksaws, bricks, you know, all sort of stuff. So, the Bruce who founded the company wanted to find a way of of taking the digital information he was using to design the home to actually then make it. Um, so it becomes more of a product that's manufactured rather than 
um, handmade on site. So as I said before, we kind of align ourselves with tech companies. We're using and leveraging technology where we can to, to manufacture the homes that we design and make it a very seamless process from the vision of the architect through to the actual completion of the home. And also leveraging all the benefits of digital manufacturing, um, quality, speed, efficiencies, all those things that we expect from products that we, that we use, you know, our bikes, our phones, our cars, and taking it into house building, which is still a relatively primitive um, kind of industry in the way things are done. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, that's kind of where, where, where the company sort of came from. And now we, we're commissioned by private clients to design and build them a complete home. Um, and so it's, a, it's quite a unique offering. You know, there are other companies in this sphere, but most of them come from more of a construction background rather than from a design background, whereas we're coming it from the design side and solving the challenges of construction from that end, whereas a lot of companies that work in this, in this sphere are you know, timber frame companies or construction companies who then try to push themselves into more of the design side of things. So we come from a slightly different angle, have a different take on how things should be done. Um, we kind of dance to our own, our own tune in some ways. Yes, interestingly, you know, I've I've sort of known about Facet for three years, three three and a half years, and you know, when I sent the email earlier in the week, I described it as modular housing, um, which you know, you came back and said that quite a lot of people at the shows come up and and ask whether it's modular. You know, what is different, sort of fundamentally different about Facet's system and the way that you you manufacture than for example, uh, a Scott Frame value therm system that, that's created in, in their factory. What is it? You know, what, what is the, the key differences, and therefore, what what are the benefits of doing it in terms of specification or design choice? I think that the kind of key word there is is factory. We don't have a factory, um, and when I when I think about modular build, I think of sort of prefab- prefabricated units that are, are made in a factory. You know, perhaps completely finished inside and out delivered to the site and put together um, to form a whole. You know, that's how I think of modules are, are sort of standard units that go together to create something that's more complex. That's kind of the definition of it, um, which is great. You know, it's, it's, it's a way of doing it. It's a modern way of, of constructing buildings. For me, modular, modular feels like standardization and something we are not a part of is, is standardizing our product. So we've we developed a system where we can manufacture the buildings. So we get the same quality that you get from a, a modular build, which has been done in the factory, but we manufacture all the components of the building in different places. So we manufacture our frame, which we call the facet chassis, which is smaller components. We have the windows manufactured. We have various components of the building manufactured, and then we take them to site and assemble them like a, like a Lego kit, effectively. So we're getting the benefits of all that technology, but we're not having to standardize things, which is what a, a sort of factory production line wants to do. It wants to spit out the same things over and over again, ideally. That's how they get efficiencies out of it. Whereas we just sort of dip into the technologies we want to use, the benefit us, the benefit our homes, bring them to site and put them together. Um, so we're kind of taking the factory to the building site. Um, and that's our approach to it. It means our design, we can be much more flexible with our design because we're not worried about fitting in what we design to what a factory can produce. We design what we want and then we find a way of producing it. So it's again, it's coming from that design angle rather than from a, a purely production angle. Um, so I mean, I, I, I think all sort of factory fabrication is a great thing for, for homes. I think the quality and the performance and the speed is, is, is great, but we just have, again, have a different take from things and think our approach is offering something different to the market and to the table, which can, can sit alongside 
modular production or even you know on, on site traditional building they can all sit together and, and sort of help to provide homes yeah so just on the factory factory thing who is there any cutting of wood or changing of sizes on site or is it delivered in like you say in parts and therefore where does it get cut yeah so in theory we so we designed the so we've talked about the chassis which is our, our timber structure effectively our timber frame that we've developed it's it's designed in a 3d computer model so we design the homes we want and then we the, the the, the chassis can then be modelled to to fit the form of the home, home we've designed. It's very flexible because it's smaller parts, like little, little Lego blocks rather than big panels. Um, that information is then taken off onto a CNC machine and, and sheets of plywood are cut into the components. So we have a sort of flat pack system where we cut them out and then we assemble together into three-dimensional parts which then become the, the sort of building blocks of the, of the home. And they're then delivered to site and assembled. So in theory, it's it's like a, an airfix kit. You know, every single part has been designed, produced, and then it's just someone on site puts it together. So in, in, in theory, everything comes to site and gets put together in one go, and then that's your superstructure then up. In reality, there, we have carpets on site who are making small adjustments. You know, the, the ground is never perfect. So there's always little bits of tolerance we have to worry about. But if we were doing it on a flat, you know, completely flat piece of ground somewhere with no no deviations, it should all go together absolutely millimetre perfect. Um, and, you know, every time we do it, we get slightly better. So the models we produce are very complex. Our buildings are not just boxes. You know, they have lots of geometry going on. And so inevitably, there are, there are hundreds and hundreds of components for every building. And so inevitably, one or two might be slightly out. You know, that's that's the nature of the beast. But... We're getting better and better and better at every time we do it and so we have carpets on site to, to sort anything that needs doing but in general it's it's incredibly accurate which is the point of what we do we've designed it in a computer model we make it exactly how we've designed it it goes together perfectly and that's the ethos of it yeah absolutely i mean i i i think that facet homes are one of the one of the companies in our traveling circus within custom and self-build that that when you look at the end product you go wow that you know that is why people want to design and, and create their own homes you know i'm you know, not trying to talk sort of disparagingly about others but you know you do kind of you know you can still get sort of pushed down a pattern book kind of um you know set of options and then almost sold the idea of something being bespoke that that quite frankly isn't that bespoke but i always feel yeah. and i look at fasa i go you know, I'd like one of them if I had a But just just quickly, last last sort of thing on on the construction. I presume local contractors can can provide your on site, or do you have your own teams that go on site? Because it is it is it something that they're not familiar with, or do you have to train local you know local contractors or? Um, it's it's a bit of a mix when it comes to actual delivery. So we have a we have a core site team that we employ directly, and sometimes it's, it's people we know, and sometimes it's new people. So we're we're lucky. We've been we built up a core team. Of, although we're based in London, we work all across across England. You know, mostly it's in the south at the moment, but we've built up a core team of carpenters that we've worked with. We've got some guys in the current project who's their third build with us. So they're employed by us to to do all the stuff on site and. Assembling the chassis is relatively straightforward. You know, we've got all the instructions. It's like a big kit. So it, a carpenter that has some skill can put it together quite easily. Mm. Um, but so we're lucky we've built up a team of people that we're working with across our sites now who are familiar with what we do. Um, 
we employ a, a site agent for each site who is a trained architect. So rather than relying on the construction industry and a sort of construction site manager, we, we insert an architect in site who is our eyes and ears for the studio and is making sure the design information is being correctly relayed to the on-site team. And it's been a real game changer for us to have someone who is defending the design intent on site, who's not allowing things to be done in you know, the way they, they want to do it. It's done in the way classic makes it done. Um, and that's been really important for us to have that person who has that understanding of the, the design and the architecture on site to make sure it happens properly. Um, they don't do anything on the tools. They're not, they're not manually involved, but they're ensuring that everything's being done correctly and, and communicating with the studio with any queries or questions. Um, and so then the, the, the carpenter chief, carpenter chief put, the, put the, the chassis up, they'll put the cladding on, there's all the sort of, all the basic building work that we're doing is done by our core team of carpenters. And then we'll have specialist subcontractors coming in for things like electrics, plumbing, um, roofing, if it's, if it's specialist. And so it's, it's sort of a mixture of our own team and specialist subcontractors to deliver the projects. But the key thing, it's all driven by the studio and by the 3D model we've created. It's all coming from the technology we use rather than just a very traditional build process. And they're, they're turnkey houses, are they kitchens, bathrooms that, you know, I presume that your client can choose what they want, but that's all catered in terms of installation. And Yeah, so most of our projects are full turnkey, so we're doing everything up to the doorbell. Um, we <laughs> are currently working on our first project, which we, we call an assisted self-finish, which is it's kind of like a shell and core, but a little bit more. We're doing up to first fix and plasterboard on the walls. And then the customer's taking it on to do all the internal fit out. So everything you sort of see and touch, they will manage the um, installation of. Um, we offer it as a service and we, we remain on hand as architects to oversee and to, to assist them with it. But it's their responsibility to find the people to come and lay the floors, put the bathrooms in. So they can put a bit of their own time and effort in and save some costs. Um, what we really don't want to see is, is the project not being delivered to the standard we all expect it to be. So that's why we remain on hand to make sure that they don't have any problems. Um, you know, we want to de-risk projects for customers. We've all watched Grand Designs. We've all seen how it fails at the end time and time again. We want to make sure we're there to, to help them through to the finish uh, and get the result that they want and that they expected uh, and that we're proud of as well. So it's been good. So this is the first one we've really done is, is currently on site. So we'll, we'll be handing over the the completed structure in uh, about four months or so for the customer to then finish off. Um, so yeah, it'd be good to see how it goes. Yeah, interesting that you're doing the self-finish. We're um, going down that route as well. We've got a, a few customizable homes that we've that we've put together, um, and we're doing a site in Edinburgh where we're we're going up to the end of first fix. So it sounds pretty similar to you, but with, yeah. you know, if you're doing the M and E part. Um, I presume you are. Yeah, we're doing all, all the technical complex stuff we're doing. Um, it's the stuff that people feel comfortable with. You know, if you're doing a renovation project, you'd be happy tearing out a kitchen and getting a new one put in. Yeah. Yeah, this is similar, except that you're dealing with a you know a nice blank canvas yeah. and we've already designed yeah. the kitchen for you. So. Uh, clean renovations are what every renovator would like. Yes. And they, don't, they don't usually come with old buildings and whatnot. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's, good to, it's good to hear that you've... That, that you're you're offering that um i think you know for, in the sector that we work in in the kind of space that we are keen to promote obviously individuality is is um important the ability to choose what they want but we all know that um you know the more bespoke anything is the more costly it is so it's trying to balance the being able to promote people to get a, a, a process where they get what they want but also they can afford and i do think that that 
Um, like I, the way you've described it, anything that they can touch and feel and feel comfortable with, if they can put that in themselves, maybe get a little bit of sweat equity out of it. I think it's a, yeah. it's a good thing. There's still a there's still a very important part of it is is ensuring the specification is is tight while while we're still working the project because. You know, everyone thinks of taps are taps, but actually there are lots of different types of taps. You can have them in different places, wall mounted, sink mounted. All these things need to be thought through so that you have the services going to the right place and that everything is coordinated. Um, so that's why we, we still go through and go through the specification with the customer, even if we're not going to be fitting it, you know, as a good architect would, is get all that specification sorted with them. Even if it's not the exact fitting, we know it's going to be a wall mounted tap, so we'll make sure everything's in the right place for that. And that level of coordination will make the project much less risky once they take it over because they know what they're doing. I think that the fear is, our fear initially was that we would hand it over and they would, you know, botch it because they didn't know what the hell was going on. But we've, we've got, it, got ourselves to a level where we're, we're getting everything coordinated, ready for them to do, and they understand what they need to do. And so that the, the hope is then it will be a fairly seamless process for them to deliver the end of the project. Perfect. Good stuff. Well, before we get on to Grand Designs, I know that Hester wants to get on to Grand Designs. I just want to ask you quickly, I, like I said before, I think that, that you see a facet home and really you get the wow factor in terms of design. Um, so, you know, you saying that you come from a design background first into manufacturing rather than the other way around, which I do think is the, the sort of the current crop of... Um, package companies, if you like, are coming from that construction background and therefore maybe you do get that pattern book kind of effect um, in, in, in their designs. Can Facet build someone else's design? If someone came to you with a design or does it need to be your own? No, we absolutely can and we are. We're, we're two of, the two projects we've got on the site at the moment were designed by other architects um, and they got taken through planning by other architects and then the customers were looking for someone to build it and it's it's not our normal route, you know, we, we are designers by heart, so we want to be designing the homes that we build. Uh, and we offer a lot of value in that pre-planning process. Um, you know, not only from our creative point of view, but we, we cost the buildings before we go in for planning. We use all the information from our computer model to cost it accurately. And what I found in, in uh, the last few years is a lot of people get planning for ha homes they can't afford to build. You know, they, they get carried away the design process, they get through planning, they then try and work out how to build it, and it's way beyond what they can afford to, 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 to pay. So we had that off by costing before planning. Um, but as I say, we've taken on projects for the architects. Um, in theory, we can build anything, but we have a set of core components and core products that we use to control the cost of the building and to ensure the quality of it. So sometimes I'll be sent plans and I'll say, we, you know, we could do it, but it's going to be twice on our budget. You know, it's way beyond what we normally do. Or there could be things that we just wouldn't really want to build more traditional style homes. It's not really where we're at. But um, if it kind of fits within a, a fairly large, broad spectrum of things that we can build, then yeah, we'll take it on and say we're, we're successfully building two homes at the moment that were designed by their architects. They're beautiful designs, you know, we're proud to be building them. Um, we had to make a few small tweaks from a cost point of view more than anything rather than a design point of view to balance it for the customer. Um, but yeah, it's, and it's something I want to, you know, potentially the company's growing. It's, it's an avenue we can explore partnering with architects, you know, a lot of architects out there are designing great homes, but maybe don't have the, the contractors to deliver them that they want. So we could offer a service to those people um, and help deliver the homes that they're designing. So it's something for the future we'd like to maybe talk about more. Perfect. Right, Hester, Grand Designs. So how was the experience of doing a Grand Designs project and were you worried about your brand? 
I mean, it, it predates me joining Class Rise. It was back in about 20, 2010, 2011, I think, that it was filmed and broadcast in about 2012. And I, I joined the, the business in about 2016. But I remember when I, when I was approached by, by Bruce, founder, um, founder of the company, about it, I remembered that episode from four years before. And I've seen hundreds of episodes of Grand Designs, as we all have. And there are a few that stick in your mind. And it was always one. It was, it was surreal to kind of meet the guy from the telly, obviously. I've met Kevin since as well. It's much more interesting. Um, but it was it was something that always stuck my mind because it was so unique. Um, and so for me, it was a it was a selling point for the for the business. You know, it was it was one of those really great shows that I'd say stuck in your mind. Um, it's still something people talk about. If we do a, a, an exhibition, people still come and point at the house and say, "Well, that was on Grand Designs." And bear in mind, it was eight years ago. It's remarkable people remember it and they remember the whole process. And the company has evolved a lot since then, but the ethos is still the same. And so it's, it's still a great representation of, of who we are and what we do. Um, so I think as far as it goes, it's been nothing but positive for the business. Um, you know, it still gets repeated occasionally and we get a bunch of inquiries at the back of it. And actually the most interestingly, it was, it's been put on Netflix in America recently. Uh, they've obviously bought the rights to Grand Designs and we are, we're flooded with inquiries from people in America who want to build facet homes. Um, we're not quite ready for it yet, but you know, don't never say never. Um, but again, it shows the reach of of, of it and how powerful it be for the brand that people love it still eight years later. Um, so yeah, it's it's been nothing but good for us, I'd say. Uh, the only thing with it, it was grand design shows need a bit of peril. You know, it's the, the cliffhanger at the uh, the end of the uh, just before the adverts, and with our builds, it. There wasn't a lot of problems, you know, they had to really beef up some of the small things that happened to make them seem like a bit of a drama. Um, and they've approached, the, the production company have approached us a few times since and sort of said, have you got any projects? And we kind of say, well, you'd come and film us building a house and it would just be handed over and everyone would be happy. So it'd be a pretty boring show, to be honest. Um, I mean, I'd love us to be on it again, but I just don't think it would make great TV because uh, it would just be a, a, nice, a nice house build being done and happy customers at the end. Yeah, we got we got approached um, about a site. You know, they did the Grand Designs Street at Graven Hill. Mm. We got approached by them yeah, sort of about a month before lockdown, saying, you know, we'd like to do um, we'd like to to do the show on one of the sites that you're enabling up north. And uh, you know, I said, listen, you know, <laughs> we're trying to grow a business here where the process is easy, simple, fun, transparent. The last thing I need right now is, you know, a nation of, you know, prospective customers and enthusiasts, you know, being shown something that is, you know, full of fights and divorces and arguments <laughs> and spiraling costs. And, and they're like, oh, but, you know, it kind of the, the benefits outweigh that. And, you know, I was I'm, I'm skeptical of it, perhaps just in the, you know, at the stage we are at as a, as a business sort of pinning ourselves to, to a development of individual homes. Um, but yeah, we, we were just, you know, we were talking through what we were going to ask you and just that that whole idea of balancing the, you know, how they would, how the production company would uh, try to sort of shape the, the viewing so that there is a bit of drama in there and, and whether that... Yeah, I think, I think they would, they always need to create a bit of narrative to it. Um, it so there is a risk there for sure, but... You know, I think I think at the time we, we well, Bruce only believed in what he was doing, and and, and it worked out really, really well. Um, I say it's been a great platform to show off what we do. 
Um, but yeah, there's definitely other risks. I've actually got some friends who are self-building um, down in the south of England who've just been sort of given the green light for the production by the production team. So they've started filming with them, and they met Kevin last week on site. Um, <laughs> quite interesting. Be quite interesting to see how they get on with it all. Uh, they're doing a proper self-build. They're on site with their hands in the dirt, sort of thing. So it'd be nice to see how they get on with it. Yeah, good stuff. Um, right. Speaking of, um, we talked about Graven Hill. You're working on Graven Hill, aren't you? Have you got, you've got two homes we've, there? We've completed two homes on there, yeah. How was that? Uh, it's been great. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, I think we, we thought when it first launched a few years ago, it was going to be kind of a revolution coming. Um, you know, it was, it was a lot promised with it, a lot of homes to be built. And it's, it's definitely been challenging for them, I think. And it's been a bit slower than they thought it would be. And but they're, you know, they're pioneering something here, which is amazing. But on a sort of project basis, it was great. You know, the customers picked their plots. We had a real set of parameters around what we had, what we could design. It was nice and straightforward. Still lots of scope for, for interesting architecture. Um, delivery side, it was it was straightforward to get on site and do all that sort of stuff. It was, it was basically a building site within a big building site. So it, it made life easier than having sort of neighbors next door complaining about everything. Everyone, all your neighbors were building, so everyone was in it together. Um, and I think they're building an amazing community. Our, our first project was completed a year ago. I can't believe that we actually handed over a year ago to them. Um, and they're loving life down there. It's been sort of it's transformed their lives living down there. There's a real community spirit. Um, we finished our second home start of this year, I think. And so they're all nice and settled in there now as well. Um, but we think it's brilliant. And, you know, the sooner they can release more plots, the better for us, because we want to, you know, build more homes there for people. Um, yeah. And I know it's been it's been something a lot of councils have been looking at. You know, I know the MD at Graven Hill has been inundated with people asking her about the, the process and how they brought it forward. So our hope is these things will start popping up all over the country in the next sort of five years or so. And obviously the work you guys are doing to bring forward sites as well. Um, it's exciting for us because the biggest challenge we have is people, the biggest challenge our customers have is finding the land to build on. You know, it's the classic story of I want to build a home, but there's nowhere for me to build it. Yeah. The more custom built sites are out there, the more we can make great homes for people. So we're all for it. We're very supportive of it. We think Graven Hill's, you know, a fantastic scheme. Yeah. So for those who aren't aware of Graven Hill, probably should have teed this up before I asked the question. But it's a, a custom built development site in Vista in Oxfordshire. Nineteen hundred service plots um, over various phases. Um, purchasers can choose their plot. There is a set of design parameters attached to each one within a plot passport. And um, you can design your house within those parameters of maximum height, maximum width, various material choices. Um, and then you can go and commission your own construction and, and design teams to, to support you through the process. So just on, on that, I've just... As I was talking out loud there, I realised that um, Graven Hill is a little bit different to just the plot. They provide the um, the in the what am I trying to say the foundation package. Um, did that is that an issue for sort of your home manufacturing model uh, rather than a traditional, or was it something that was quite easily passed across? To us, the first time it was a little bit challenging because we we wanted to specify a certain foundation system, um, and obviously Graven Hill have, have employed a, a firm to do all the groundworks who were a little bit reluctant to to change from what they wanted to do. So it, some negotiation went on, but in the end, you know, we we helped design it. We made sure it was specific to what we wanted. They delivered it. it, it 
it worked in the end. It was a bit painful the first time around. The second time around, we all knew what we were doing. So it was really, really straightforward. Um, these are the challenges that no one can really foresee when you start. You know, you think, okay, it'll be straightforward. We'll do the foundations. But then some of our class comes along and says, well, we want to do something a bit different. And they have to, you know, recalibrate themselves. But it was, it all felt very collaborative. You know, everyone was in it for the right reasons. Everyone wanted the same result. We were all pushing in the same direction. And it wasn't that there was any, uh, anyone trying to be difficult. It was just a bit of negotiation, really. Um, and in the end, it worked out fine. You know, they, they delivered the, the foundation as we wanted it. We built the superstructure. It all worked really well. Um, I think the main thing I felt from it was that it was collaborative. It, was, it wasn't a commercial deal. You know, people weren't trying to get one over on the other person in some way. Everyone wanted the house to be built. So, so that was very positive. The whole, the whole schemes around creating community, creating homes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, there were challenges, but it worked out well in the end. Perfect. Um, all right, plan, plans for the future, Hester. We... Yeah, so our final question for you, Reese, is what's the plans for the future? Um, build more homes. Um, we, we've sort of been steadily growing for the last four or five years. Um, we've evolved our product. We've, we've sort of refined everything we do. We've, we've grown our customers. You know, we've, we've done a lot more homes in the last years than previously, but we're now in a really good position to accelerate that growth and you know, the, the customer gold market becoming more mature will open up more opportunities to us. So we're now set for some, some more significant growth over the next few years, um, which is really exciting because you know, we want to, our vision is sort of to build a better future one home at a time, we say. So we want to be building more homes. That's all we want to be doing. And so the more opportunity there is for people to do that, the better it is for us. Um, we're really keen to be involved in some multiple homes schemes with, primarily been doing individual houses for private clients, but we've now started talking to some, some developers and some landowners about multi-home schemes. And it's, it's something where we can really bring some efficiencies of our process uh, and create really high quality homes at a good price, at good value. So that's a bit of a focus is trying to find the right opportunity for us to, to work on a multi-home scheme. Um, but yeah, we, we're really excited about um, the sort of, the next few years and the opportunities that are there for us. The, the demand is growing. There's no doubt about that. There's legislation in place. There's custom built schemes coming online and we're ready there to deliver the homes when people want them. So it was a good place to be really. Yeah. I mean, talk about demand. Our demand has gone through the roof on the registers because there's nothing like an acid test for a house when you've got to be locked in it for 12 weeks. <laughs> I think that there has been a number of people who probably just haven't had the time or just hasn't gone through their, you know, their thought process as, is my house performing for me? You know, when I need it to. Yeah. I think too many houses um, didn't pass that test. Um, so, you know, sort of, I know, you know, you mentioned at the start that the, the sort of pandemic period was, uh, was quite simple for you to kind of pick up and, and work from home and there's been some some benefits of it. I think one of the biggest benefits of um, for people in the custom and self-build sector will be there's a whole load of prospective custom and self-builders now that otherwise wouldn't have even entertained it because there's, they now understand what their house needs to be um, and, and needs to sort of provide them with going, going forward. And for me, I think there will be elements of lockdown um, that will remain in, maybe not 
in in its totality, but in in periods, there will be periods of home schooling. There will be periods of of exercising at home. Um, you know, having more people in the household during the day, flexible working, home working, and you know, the, just the reality is our 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 sort of core new build housing stock. But they're not considerations for right. you know for for developers. They, it is quite simply. You know, how many bedrooms does it have and what's its total size and and then how does that affect my my bottom line and I think we have to move away from that and companies like yourself who can make the design the manufacturing process efficient there's enough input for the for the customer I think it's something that a lot of people will will want to engage with so hopefully that happens when we we um I got an email from our our first customer at Graven Hill just during during lockdown, you know about something. He, he said, "I I can't tell you how how lucky we are to have this home on this plot during this time." You know that their family was was really comfortable. You know they're a, a lovely home in a lovely setting with all the the space they needed. They had, we we did a home office for them. They had a separate sort of plane for the kids, and I think they they felt how lucky they were to be there in something that had been designed with with their family in mind. And there were guys sat in my at my kitchen table on a wooden chair trying to trying to work in a flat in central London, which is just not set up for it. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. And it's a lot of inquiries I've had this month since we've been back up and running have been around people saying, you know, I want to sort of plan for the future. Uh, and that's why I'm looking into building my own home. So I think you're right. It's it's going to mobilize people to want to do this, um, which is yeah, it's good for us. Good for them as well. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on, Reese. Pleasure. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, it's my ah, it's my first time, Tom. So yeah, it's been great. <laughs> Me too. Do you know what? Though, right, another quick question on lockdown. I don't know how you do this long hair thing because every day I look more like a Lego man, and it becomes harder and harder every morning to get Zoom ready. My hair now comes down beneath my shoulders, so I just tie it back. Uh-huh. Um, it, I've been or I've been quite lucky actually that I haven't had to worry about it because I just. Yeah, you're, you're looking interesting, I've got to say. <laughs> I, I look like I could take it off at night and put it back on. And... <laughs> um, right. Thanks a lot. Um, hope you have a good day. And uh, yeah, keep in touch. Yeah, cheers, guys. Thanks a lot. Bye. 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 Bye.